0: We're launching into a new series tonight called Shattering Strongholds. And as we do so, God placed it on my heart to start it off by doing something a little different this week. So I don't want to speak from a stage to you guys tonight. I just want to have a conversation with my community. And I know that, you know, we have the stage just for visual purposes and all that, and I stand on it most of the time, just so you guys can see me a little better and I can see your faces a little better, but I don't ever want that to become something that is used for performance, to where we get to a place where you guys cannot look to me as just another fellow follower of Christ that also has the same struggles and endures the same trials, the same hardships, has the same battles with his flesh that you do as well. And so when we have these kind of talks, when we have these kind of moments, I just think it does something for myself as well as you guys for us to just be on the same level tonight. So I just want us to have a conversation as we introduce this series, a candid moment, kind of, if you will, where we allow ourselves to be open and honest and vulnerable, to have a moment where we stop trying to keep our issues hidden so we can have our issues healed. And that's been my prayer for you guys in preparation to go into this new series of studies that we're going to go into is that no longer we would keep our issues hidden but that we might see issues be healed by the name and the power of Jesus. Do you believe he can do it? We sing the songs like we believe he can, but sooner or later it has to become more than just the songs we sing. It has to be the faith that we truly proclaim. So as we go into this tonight, I want to pray for us one more time. So God, we just come before you now. and On behalf of those that are sitting in front of me right now, I don't know their struggles. I don't know the issues that they face. I don't know the battles that they have. I don't know the strongholds, God, that the enemy has set up in their lives. But I know that you know. And I also know that I don't have the power in and of myself. They don't have the power in and of themselves to be set free from the things that the enemy has kept them in bondage to. And so, God, my prayer is that over these next few weeks, we would see by your power and by your name, these strongholds be torn down that have been set up for so long in the lives of those that are here, God, that we would see true freedom take place by your power and through your word, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, now, we're going to look at a couple of verses there here in a moment, but... In context, Paul is responding to criticism and personal attacks that people were bringing against him and the purpose that God had called him to. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 3, he gives a response to those criticisms. He gives a response to those who were coming against him personally, against his character, against his integrity, against the ministry that God had given him a purpose to fulfill, and listen to his response. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So for the next few weeks, we're going to focus in on that word in particular, strongholds. And to start things off, I want us to talk tonight about confronting your chains. Let's talk about confronting your chains a little bit. Science tells us that it takes anywhere from 18 to 254 days to form a habit in your life. And that wide gap is due to extensive variables, as well as the varying nature of the habit itself. So it's kind of hard to put just an exact number on when the habit gets formed, because each and every one of us are different. And the nature of the habits that we form within our own lives are also different as well. But furthermore than that, they tell us that it takes 66 days for a behavior to become automatic. This is where the mind and body take action without any consideration. So, for example, it would be like when you get in your car you automatically fasten your seatbelt, or at least you should. Some of you are lawbreakers, you, you being irresponsible. You, your mom and what'd your mama say? She'd be upset. Fasten your seatbelts. But that's the kind of response that we're looking at. After 66 days, they say it takes around 66 days for the body to become automatic with a new behavior that has been formed. So that's the best example I could think of to give you. When you get in your car, most of us, you don't think twice about it. You sit down, you reach, and you grab the belt, you bring it over your chest, and you fasten it. It's that automatic. Your body does that without really any thought or any consideration. It's just an automatic movement. And so how is all this relative to our conversation? Well, let's take a look at what a stronghold is exactly. The word itself is really military in nature, a stronghold is a place that has been fortified and placed under control of the dominating force that has taken possession of it. So there's you a working definition of what a stronghold is, and the Bible makes it clear to us the reality that our lives are lived in the midst of a spiritual battle. We have an enemy, ladies and gentlemen, a very real adversary that is set against you and your pursuit of an almighty God who loves you and has called you and has purposed your life here on this earth. The text that we just read, Paul actually uses warfare terminology. And so a stronghold in the life of a believer is an area or areas of life where the enemy has attempted to fortify and put under his control some specific things in your life. So that's what your stronghold is. It's that one area that the enemy has attempted to fortify and claim as his own within your life that's supposed to be lived in freedom and in victory in Jesus' name. But in that area, it doesn't feel like that's the case. And when it feels like the enemy is in control, then we feel like we're in chains. It becomes you're stronger, it becomes that one thing. Let me see if you can relate to it this way. It becomes that one thing that no matter how bad you want to escape or break free from it, you just can't. Most people have, I would say, at least one stronghold that has been set up in their lives. Whether it be sexual in nature where you struggle with that never-ending cycle, maybe even within a dating relationship, of when the weekend rolls around and you do that thing that you said you weren't going to do anymore after you did it the last time, but you do it again. And then the next opportunity comes around and you do that thing that you said you weren't going to do anymore last time, and yet you do it again. Maybe it's just struggling with promiscuity. Maybe it's a pornography addiction that No matter how bad you want to break free from that thing, you just can't. Every time the enemy fires that dart, every time that temptation shows back up, you fight as best as you think you can, but you just keep giving in time and time and time and time and time time again. Maybe your stronghold is mental in nature. Maybe you suffered from the hands of an abuser. And the emotional stress, the mental strain, the physical stress and trauma that that person caused has set up a mental trauma and a mental stronghold in your life to where you now believe the lies that person told you or said about you or the things that they did to you. You can no longer get past, so you live in constant fear and trembling over if it's going to happen again. You struggle with trust. You struggle with relationships because you've been burned in the past. And the moment I said something tonight about us being open and vulnerable and honest, you instantly began to clam up a little bit because the last time you did that was the last time you got hurt really bad. And now that's a stronghold in your life. Maybe it's physical in nature. Maybe maybe something happened in your past and now you struggle to this day with an eating disorder or with self-harm. Or an appearance infatuation where no matter how bad you don't want to care, you just can't help but care constantly and think that other people care about how you look. Maybe it's something else entirely different. Maybe it's a performance-based stronghold. Maybe it's a substance abuse. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's inadequacy. could be any number of things, whatever it specifically is in your life, you just know that you can't seem to get past it or shake loose from it. And so if we're going to confront our change, there's really two important considerations for us as we get this thing rolling tonight that I want to share with you. The first one is acknowledgement. And I mean that in the sense of truly acknowledging that there's a bondage in your life. Here's what I want you to do. And y'all are going to have to help me out with this just for a second. Some of you note takers are probably, but I need everybody to to find just a little sheet of paper. So if you've got paper available, go ahead and pull a page out if you don't mind sacrificing it and rip it up into pieces and kind of spread that out amongst you. And as you're doing so, I kind of I just want to encourage you further that I know this this Tonight, our little conversation tonight, it's going to be heavy at times probably. But that's just the nature of what we're talking about. Strongholds in and of themselves, they're weighty things. And so the conversation might get weighty at times. But keep in mind that we just sing about a Savior who is ever victorious in our lives. So keep that in mind as we continue to work through these things. So everybody's got their sheet of paper. If you need to borrow a pen from somebody here in a second, you can do just that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down what your chain or your chains are. So what do you feel has you under its control? What is that thing that you just can't break free from? What is that? If you had to name a stronghold that is evident in your life right now, I want you to write that thing down on a piece of paper. And don't let anybody else see it. Don't be looking at your neighbors. This is personal. This is private. Keep it amongst yourselves. You don't have to share it with anybody else around you. I'm not going to take them up at the end and call everybody's out. This is yours. You're going to keep it for the rest of the night. I just want you to write it down. Whatever that thing is, whatever that that chain of bondage is in your life that you can't seem to break free from, I want you to write that thing down. After you get done writing it down, I want to see your eyes. All right, now I'm going to ask you to be honest with me. How many of you found it really, really difficult to write that down? It's Not rhetorical, you can particip- participate in question. How many of you found it really, really difficult to write that thing down? That's because we don't want to acknowledge what we're ashamed of. And this has been a default reaction for people since the beginning. So if you felt shame as you wrote that thing down, I don't want you to think that you're in a class all by yourself because this has been a default reaction for people ever since the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they hid. Why? Because they were ashamed. But listen, this is important. Acknowledgement is the first step toward action. If we're going to see strongholds be shattered, then we have to start acknowledging that they're there. It's confronting that chain the enemy has you wrapped in. Listen, this this will do you no good. These next few messages will do you no good whatsoever if you continue to try to sweep under the rug that thing that you so desperately want to ignore as if it's not a true problem in your life. So if you want to see God do some powerful things in your life, if you really want to see some of your strongholds be torn down, then you have got to start acknowledging that it's there. You've got to point it out. You've got to write it down and see it. You've got to name it for what it is and realize that this is something that I cannot get past on my own, and it does me no favors whatsoever to continue to try to keep it hidden from a God who sees everything. There's got to be a confrontation that takes place. Now, I'm going to share a personal example with you, which is always kind of fun for me to do with my parents in the room. And I love the fact that they come and they listen and they support, but sometimes these personal illustrations, I'm just like, well, I just really, you know, step outside for a moment. I'm just kidding. It's fine. But when I was 15 years old, how many of y'all have, have ever? listen to any kind of music that had your parents been in the car with you that would have never been back in my day it was a cd player I, you know that would have never been on the bluetooth nowadays anybody ever listened to any kind of music they knew they shouldn't have been listening to all right 15 year old me was listening to some music i should not have been listening to and i'm i'm a bit of a rocker i like rock music And and this was kind of a brand of that, but a little bit different. I'm not going to tell you. I'm so ashamed I'm not going to tell you who the band is. So don't ask. Don't worry about it. Just know that I shouldn't have been listening. So anyway, we're going to school one morning. And this, this, I'm sorry, today is my birthday, and I'm really about to date how much older I am than I care to admit than you guys. But I was listening to this CD in my portable CD player. (laughs) So I'm talking to kind of like, opened up like a big oyster, and he like put the CD in, and it was like, you slapped it back down, and I had like the worst headphones possible. And so I'm listening, you know, to this CD on the way there. My parents dropped me off at school. Well, I take my CD player and my headphones off, and I throw it in the seat. Well, I guess one of them got curious as to what I was listening to, so they got it out of the CD player and took a listen. When I came home that afternoon, they were in my room, I had, like, the actual boombox stereo in my room back in those days. I mean, it was legit. Like, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so they called me in the room, and they pulled the CD out, and they're like, sit down on the bed for a second. And they put it in the stereo player, and they press play. And then we proceed to sit there and listen to the entire CD together. Some of the worst music you could ever imagine like it. Personal confession to you guys. I told you, I got a flesh and I struggle just like y'all do. By no means has my life been perfect. And God did not call me to this because I am perfect. So I need you to know that. So anyway, we listened to the whole city together. And after we're done, it's the most miserable experience of my life. And in the meantime, my parents are like, is this what you listen to? Is this what you like? This kind of stuff you listen to and you freak this honors God? And I'm just like, oh, brutal, miserable, absolutely miserable, but listen, here's the key that I want you to hear. It's the fact that they confronted me with it. Confrontation isn't fun. It's not meant to be. Let me say that one more time. Confrontation isn't fun, and it's not meant to be, but it does something important. Confrontation brings you face to face with choice. I can continue in my ways, Or I can change my ways. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman by Jacob's well, he told her to go and get her husband, which she responded, I don't have one. Jesus said, correct. As a matter of fact, you've had five. And the guy that you're with now, you're not married to, but you're shacking up together. This woman had a stronghold. She had a bondage in her life. She had a struggle that she dealt with, and she acknowledged it. And then Jesus confronted her with it. Listen, this is key, not to condemn her. Jesus does not bring confrontation of difficult, ugly, sinful things in our lives with the purpose of condemning us. He does so with the purpose of bringing us face-to-face with it so that we can then have the opportunity to make a choice. We can continue in our ways. Or Jesus says, by my power at work in your life, you can change your ways. Jesus did not confront that woman to condemn her and to send her back in the shame that she walked out to that well in to begin with. Jesus confronted that woman with the struggles and the strongholds that had been set up in her life so that he could give her the opportunity to experience life-changing freedom that only he could bring into her life. So as Jesus brings these things up into our lives, ladies and gentlemen, he does not do so to condemn you so that you can go back into the shame that you walked in here with tonight. He does so that you can come face to face and make a choice and say, Jesus, by your power, help me change. My parents did not confront me with the garbage I was listening to because they hated me. They did so because they loved me. And they didn't want me to continue going down a destructive path that listening to garbage like that would have sent me down. And Jesus works the same way in our lives. Listen, he is all about bondage breaking, but you've got to take him your chains. Acknowledgement is key if we're going to see our strongholds be shattered. One other consideration is establishment. And I'm going to elaborate by what I mean by that. If we're going to see strongholds be shattered, we've got to consider establishment. And there's two layers to this that we're going to work through over the next few moments. The first is, how did this stronghold get established in my life? How did this stronghold get established in my life? So we've acknowledged that it's there. But how did it get there? So I want to go back to Adam and Eve in the garden Again, just for a moment, we talked about how they hid earlier because they were ashamed of what they had done, the actions that they had taken. And later on, when God was walking through the garden, he inquired as to why they were hiding. And Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked. And then God responded, Who told you that you were naked? In other words, who established that in you? Who pointed that out to you? Because it didn't come from me. You did not hear those words come from my mouth, so who established that in you? Who told you you were in such a state? Now, remember, there is a spiritual battle taking place. And I don't think it can be overstated enough. We have a real enemy. And he only wants to destroy you. He only wants to tear you down. And if you've already surrendered your life to Jesus and you belong to him as one of his sons or his daughters, there is nothing that he can do about the sealing of your soul. But there is something that he can do about the fullness of your freedom. And if he can impede that, he will by all means do that very thing. And so, let me ask you guys a few things in relation to what we see happen in the garden with Adam and Eve. You need to start considering, if this is your stronghold, who told me that sex outside of marriage was no big deal? Who told me that I was worthless? Who told me that I was unloved? Who told me that I had no value? Who told me that I'm not pretty enough? Who told me that I deserve to feel pain? Because if you belong to God, if you are a son or a daughter of the one true king, the God of the universe, I promise you God is saying tonight because that didn't come from me. I did not give permission in that area. I did not ever once call you worthless. I did not ever once tell you that you were unloved. I never once exclaimed that you had no value. Those things didn't come from me. I never told you that you weren't good enough. I never told you that you deserve to feel pain or punishment. So who told you those things? Because as your loving father, those things did not come from me. And in some instances, I think what happened is the enemy was able to manipulate you just like he did Adam and Eve in the garden. He was able to manipulate you into making a choice to take a bite of something that you never should have sank your teeth in, which then provided the avenue he needed to establish what is now a stronghold in your life. I think this is a key component as well that I want you guys to grasp tonight also. And that's the fact that, you know, we've talked about how we have a real enemy. We talked about how we are in a spiritual battle. But listen, the devil is not at fault at everything. He only manipulated Adam and deceived him to take a bite. He didn't shove it in his mouth. All he can do is manipulate. All he can do is deceive. He cannot make you do anything. And so the reality is that a lot of us have strongholds that have been set up in our lives because of choices that we made out of deception and manipulation that came from the enemy. But when it boils down to it, own up and take responsibility, you made the choice to allow that thing to enter into your life, and now it's a stronghold. And that's how it became established. There's another side to this, though, because in other instances, he may take advantage of something that was external and beyond your control. So, in instances of a stronghold that is set up in your life because something an abuser told you that was beyond your control, that you didn't ask to take place, that you Didn't make a choice in. Somebody made the choice for you. And because of that thing, because of that trauma, because of that wound, the enemy swept in and he took advantage of that hurt. He took advantage of that pain. He took advantage of that wound. He took advantage of that scar. And today he's still trying to take advantage of it in your life. Those things you can't control. Maybe he took advantage of something way back in like second grade when you were on the playground and the elementary playground bully came up behind you and gave you a wedgie or something or called you four eyes or said something about your mama, I don't know. Anything that playground bullies do back in those days that maybe in the moment seems harmless, but it's caused you some major issues. It stuck with you. Everybody else might have thought it was funny. Everybody else might have took it as a joke, but it has become a real, legitimate stronghold in your life. Ever since that happened, those things you can't control. And our enemy always looks for an opportunity of pain, an opportunity of weakness, an opportunity of hurt to sweep in. And if he can take something that was an inch and turn it into a mile. It's funny to me how many conversations I've had throughout the years of people who have had strongholds become established in their lives before the age of 10. And they're now in your shoes at 19, 20, 20, 21, 22 years old, still battling with what happened to them when they were eight. Still struggling with something that somebody said to them, still struggling with something that somebody showed them, whether they wanted to be shown or not. 15, 20, 30, 35 years later in their life. But the good news of all this is this it can be brought down. There's the good news. I thought he was gonna be weighty. Don't look at me like you're like shocked. Like I I I warned, I give you a preemptive warning. It's weighty, it's heavy, but the good news is it can be brought down. Shattering strongholds. Can Jesus do it? Has Jesus done it? Will Jesus do it? 100%. It can be brought down. <clears throat> I don't care if it's something that you struggled with for a couple of weeks, I don't care if it's something that you struggled with for 15, 16, 17 years. My prayer for you guys is, I've been preparing to move us into this study is that we would truly believe and have faith in the name and the power of Jesus to set us free from our bondages. So I believe it's coming down. And I want you guys to believe it as well. As a matter of fact, go ahead and encourage somebody beside you. Turn to a friend and tell them, in Jesus' name, it's coming down. In Jesus' name... Is coming down. So as we finish up, here's here's the next layer, one more layer to establishment. When it's brought down, there has to be a re-establishment of truth. So much of our strongholds and the strength that they have behind them are built upon lies that we have accepted as truth. And so I told you earlier. How many of you remember, how many days does it take before a behavior becomes automatic? 66, which is one more six away from being like really weird. 66 days, a habit can become automatic. A behavior can become automatic. So what has happened, I think, to a lot of you in this room that have struggled with a stronghold for years and years and years and years and years is that the enemy set this up at an early stage in your life. And he allowed it to be a habit for a little bit. And you, it, and you entertained it, and you entertained it, and you entertained it, and you entertained it. And then as time went by, the stronghold got stronger. And now it's gotten to the point where you truly believe that is who you are. That there is no more consideration over those things when they happen. It is just an automatic response that your brain takes when that temptation shows up. And that's got to be reversed. Reversed. That's got to be changed if we're going to see any progress. Otherwise, this will be just like any other series or any other book that you read on tearing these things down. We'll be motivated for a little while. We'll see freedom for a couple of weeks, and then we'll be right back in it all over again. And so those things that the enemy has had set up in your life for so long that it's become an automatic response has to be seen and declared for what it is and what it has been built and established upon which is falsity and lies that came from his mouth. That's all he is, by the way. The Bible actually defines Satan as this. It says when he speaks lies, he speaks his native tongue. And so the devil is so full of lies that it's his lingo. It's all he speaks. And so it's got to be reversed. There has to be a reestablishment. And when, when Jesus pulls these things down in our lives, there has to be a reestablishment of truth. So I want you to, to listen to a story in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus has been teaching in some parables. And he gives an interesting teaching in Luke chapter 11, verse 24. And you don't have to flip there. It'll be on the screens for you. But he says this in the midst of his teaching. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person. It passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So in case you're a little confused on what exactly Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about this very thing that we're seeking to accomplish in our lives tonight. The tearing down of a stronghold. So Jesus says, when I come into your life and I help you clean things up and I cast those demons out of your life, I get you set free from those chains of bondage, everything gets put back together nice and neat inside of your house, that stronghold has been torn down and everything is going good for a little while. If you become complacent and you do not then fill the house with what is true, Then after some time of wandering, that very thing that I kicked out of your life is going to make the decision to come back in. And when it finds everything nice and put together, and it does not see that the house, that the heart, that the house is not filled with truth, he goes and gets some of his buddies, and they come back and decide to set up shop even stronger And now you're worse off at this point than you were when we cleaned things up. Re-establishment of truth is vital for seeing strongholds torn down and not rebuilt. When Jesus cleans us out of these things, men and women, then we have to repopulate the houses of our hearts with the truth of his word. Because it will come back. That's why it keeps coming back now. It will come back. And when it does, it needs to be met with a full house of God's word. That states quite clearly to the enemy and his schemes and his tactics there's no room for you here. Keep on moving down the road. Jesus has filled this house, and his spirit it stands guard at the door. Enough is enough. He's given me victory, he's given me freedom. And quite simply, That's what I'm going to live in. So as we finish up tonight, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your paper that you wrote your one thing down on. I want you to wad it up. And I want you to hold it in your fist. Clench it tight. Nobody can see. I mean like clench it too, like white knuckle that joker. Try and, like, smash it into oblivion. And now we're going to pray. And as we do so, I want you to pray along with me, all right? So let's pray together. God, this thing has been established on lies and choices that do not honor you and did not originate from you. And so I ask tonight that you begin to help me tear those things down and that in place of them, you would establish truth in me once again. And I'm believing in faith that you will do what you say you can do and that your word is true and that your promises are true and that if the Son has set me free, then I am free indeed. But God, you know the struggle. You know the ups and downs. You know the backs and force. You know these chains that I have been wearing that have been weighing me down. May tonight, God, be my first step toward action by acknowledging that this thing really is in my life. And I really need you to overcome it for me. And that as you pull those things down, God, I make a commitment now to fill the house of my heart with the truth of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.